We get comfortable in old ways of doing things. And we don't really want anything to disrupt our lives. We don't like change. But Jesus loves to interrupt and shake up things. Has God, has anybody ever had God come into their life and just shake things up? Change things? Sometimes we fight it, even when we know it's God doing it. Even when we prayed for God to do it, we fight him. Because we don't exactly know what's going to happen on the other side of change. But somebody say change is good. That that brings that's that's what we see going on here in this text is there's a change happening. And I think we need to really um look at this because it's a this is one of the one of the most important places and it's one of them pillars in scripture it's one of them it's one of them places that you know we would have loved to bend to in scripture like if you look at scripture there's a there's a couple of places in scripture that you know you just when you read it you're like i wish i was there like i i wish i was there when moses crossed the red sea i, I wish i could have been there to see you know the red sea split open and walk over on dry land. I, I wish I would have been there to see the look on Pharaoh's face when them nine plagues was coming. Right? You know, I wish I could have been there to see. I, I would have wanted to have been on the ark. I wouldn't want to be the one. But, but you know, to just see that whole situation play out. I would have liked to have been there just just to look at Jonah get swallowed by that well. That would have been kind of cool to just be on a boat and watch him be taken away by a well. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. Just these are certain places in scripture that you know you, you, you want to be there. I think as a pastor now, I would have liked to be there when he had told those who are on our side, get on this side, and the ones that are against us, and see God just open up the earth and people. Okay, maybe it's just me. But I, I would have liked to, you know, from a pastor's view, I would have just liked to see that one. The transfiguration is one of them places in Scripture where we would have just wanted to just witness that. So, can I teach for a little while? We look at verse 1. He says, He said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you that there stands some here which shall not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come with power. Now, we understand that this is right on the heels of what we were talking about last week, right? We know that they made the great confession that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then we ran into, our, what was last week? What did we talk about? Right? The, the road to resurrection. That he would have to suffer and that we would have to take up our cross. So we understand that the disciples were 
in their feelings at about this time. They, they still couldn't wrap their minds around the fact that, listen, our master just told us we're going to have to suffer. We're going to be rejected. And now he's talking about this cross. And so this was a very hard statement for them to understand. Because they, they, they had to have something. He said, listen, there's some that stand here with me that are not going to taste death. Well, Jesus, you just told us that we have to take up our cross. What do you mean that some will not taste death? Which he was giving them a preview. He was prophetically telling them what was about to take place. What was about to take place, follow me. He, he told them, some of y'all are not going to taste death. Now, we know that all the disciples died, right? A, and some are a horrible death. So what exactly was he talking about here? They were about to see the glory of God ASAP. It was coming. Somebody say it's coming. Now I read both of these stories because they're parallel in gospel. And we taught, we learned about how looking through the eyes of different people, you get different stories. So I read Luke because Luke gives a little bit more detail than Mark does. But I think y'all caught it at the beginning. And some of you might be asking the question, well, Mark says six days. Why does Luke say eight? Right? And after six days, he took Peter, James, John, and led them to a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. See, what happens here, and this is, this is, um, this is common in Greek and in how you count days. So in Luke's account of what is about to happen, he counted the day the statement was made, and he counted the fulfillment of the statement. Mark only included the time frame in between. So it would be like me, you asking some people, well, if I'm on vacation for a week, we know that we're only taking five days for vacation, but the week is seven days. Do y'all understand that? All right, so let, don't get caught up on that because some people get lost. So Luke included the day he made the statement to the day of the fulfillment. Mark just included the time that they went up. So now he leads them up. He took three and led them up high, and he was transfigured. This word transfigured means it's the same word from where we get the word metamorphosis, which means to change in form or appearance. Means that he, he there was something that happened to Jesus on this mountain that changed his form and his appearance. Now before we get there, I want you to understand who he took. He took three. He took Peter, he took John, and he took who? James. He took his inner circle up on this high mountain. It was six days after he just rebuked Peter because the devil didn't want him to fulfill his mission. 
I'm going to say it again. I'm not preaching yet. just want you to catch it. He took Peter after the statement was made where he rebuked Peter because Satan didn't want him to complete his mission. If I'm going to bring these three, that might be a place to shout. It might just be a place to shout to figure out that, that God could still take me up with him. Right after rebuking me. You know, because some people don't want to deal with you right after you done did something. And be like, Peter, you on time out. I'm going to take some other jokers up on the hill. But I'm not going to let the devil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. But also, the fact that the the other nine didn't have a problem not being included with the three that went up. Couldn't be church today. Because if I invite three, if me and First Lady invite three of y'all to the house and y'all find out, everybody going to wonder why you weren't invited. And you're going to start feeling some type of way Because you wasn't invited. Please, I'm 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 going to just leave that alone. And just let that marinate until the next function that you're not invited to. And it's not because, (laughs) there you go. It's just, here's the reason why he took these three though. The Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. There's a witness. Not just two. He didn't, he didn't want to just bring Peter because Peter would have, you know, they might not have believed Peter. Peter and John could have conspired, but three. Three. Three go up. He took John because John is a physician. Not too many people going to believe that John was seeing things. Because John is real technical. James, who was related to Jesus. Y'all not going to say nothing. Was that to James? That wasn't his brother, was it? Thank you, thank you. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to see if anybody studied their Bible. This James was not related to Jesus. This was the other James. There you go. So you have to understand that when Jesus brought them up, there was his inner circle, and he brought them up for a reason. He knew what was about to happen. He was going to be transfigured before their very eyes. And the Bible says his raiment became shining, exceedingly white as snow. And there appeared unto him Elijah and Moses. And they're talking with Jesus. Now, I want you to understand, the three disciples are asleep. We found that out in Luke. They were asleep. Remember, every time Jesus goes up, he's praying, something's happening. The disciples are asleep. Jesus is being transfigured. The disciples are asleep. 
Jesus is having a meeting with Elijah and Moses. Elijah, the greatest prophet, and Moses, the greatest deliverer. A meeting with Jesus and the disciples asleep. While Jesus is being transfigured. I just want to know how many people were sleeping when you when you had your change. They missed it. Not everybody's going to be up and awoke while you're being transformed. Some people in your life have been sleeping on the fact that you have been changed. But why? Elijah and why Moses I, I can't I can't even take the time that I really want to take with this but you know Elijah represents who prophets and Moses represents the deliverer of the Old Testament you got Elijah representing the prophet you got Moses representing the law he wrote the Torah. So you have the law and you have the prophets. You have the two major things of the Old Testament that stood the word of God. He came through the law and he came through the prophets. I always said, well, why Elijah? And why not? Because there were other prophets. And there were other major prophets. Why not Jeremiah? Why not Isaiah? Right? Why not Hosea? Why not any of the other, If you, even if you wanted to go with the major prophets, why Elijah? And then there was the other Elijah. There was Elijah who sat under Elijah. But why not them? Why, what, what, was it the prophecies that came out of Elijah's mouth that made Elijah a candidate for him to be the one standing at this mountain? I'm going to, I'm going to just have to preach it. It's in my spirit. It couldn't be, that could not be the reason because we understand that it's not the amount of prophecy that made them a major prophet or it wasn't the impact of their prophecy. The only reason that Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Elijah were major, considered major prophets was because of the amount of prophecies that they spoke. But it wasn't that their prophecies had more impact than the other because God is no respecter of person. It couldn't be, that, that could not be the reason why Elijah was the one who was chosen to meet on this mountain. Somebody say that couldn't be the reason. So, so, Pastor, what is the reason? The reason why it was Elijah is because Elijah was the only one who didn't die. Hosea died. Jeremiah died. Isaiah died. But Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind. Moses, who represented the law, he died. He was asleep. Oh, he never got to go into the promised land. But, but, but God, y'all better help me. So, but God, but, but God, he, they're on top of this mountain. 
And here is the law, and here is the prophets. I, Elijah is representing not only the prophets, but the prophet who never died. He's representing the ones who never tasted death. Okay, let me make it simple. He represents those who will be raptured and never meet the grave. But Moses represents the ones who died in Christ. And even though Moses never got to see the promised land, God now resurrects Moses to come meet and see the promise. God not going to say nothing. And Elijah to heaven to meet. And what, what they're discussing is important. They're discussing his departure. Somebody say, I thank God for departure. Because the word transfigured, the trans, the transformation, the transforming, trans, where we get the word trans, when you, when you um, look, break down that word trans, it, it is translated to mean across. That's, that's what it is. When you look at it, it means to be, to across. It, it's where we get the word. If you travel transatlantic, or if you, you know, tra it's to cross, you're, you're crossing something. So what happened was they had crossed over. Elijah had come down from heaven to be on the mountain. Moses had went up from the grave to be on the mountain. And now they're discussing departure plans with Jesus. Oh, man, this, this is so good. Is this too deep for Sunday? I said it's important that we grab hold to the word departure because it does not say he's discussing his death. It's the, they're discussing his departure. Now, when I depart from somewhere, it means I'm going somewhere. I have to have a destination if I'm departing. Y'all better give God some praise. See, the Bible says that we who are in Christ, we don't have to fear death because death is not final. Death is a door. It is a departure door. It is where we cross over from one side and go into the next. Say, I'm leaving this place to go to another place. You got to go through this cross. You got to go through this cross and and. You're going to go back, but he's he's shined. He's he's shining. He's transfigured. He's he's bright. He's white. He's not. He's not. He he's his light is not coming from the outside. His light is permeating from his being. He he's permeating, and and what is happening is, it, see when Moses remember Moses saw. He, he asked, he said, um, let me see your face. Who shall I say in Exodus? Who shall I say? Send me, say I am. Well, how will I know it's you? I need, I need to see your face. God said, no man has ever seen my face and lived. He said, but what I'm going to do for you, Moses, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to let you see my hind parts. And I'm going to let you catch a glimpse of my backside. And when God allowed him to see his back, now see, I'm going to mess y'all up I'm mess, because people have, and the, theologians, they argue, and people who have studied this and preached this, and I don't know if I've ever preached this, I doubt it, but if I have, apologize, you know, you, you, you're supposed to increase in learning, amen, and 
things get revealed and people used to preach well what he saw was he allowed Moses to see everything that happened in Genesis so that he could write you know the book of Genesis otherwise how he would know so people said that when he showed him his hind parts he was showing Moses the past y'all don't watch the movie y'all ain't saying nothing but somebody say that's not it he didn't allow him to see the past. He didn't he didn't have to allow Moses to see the past. It would have nothing to do, no bearing on Moses's um purpose and his mission. But what he did, where it says that when after he saw him, his when he came down from the mountain, his face shined just from the reflection of the light. The light that God had allowed Moses to see on the mountain was the backside of Jesus. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing was the backside of Jesus walking y'all not, y'all not gonna say nothing so when Moses was able to see him this time it wasn't see Moses would shine because it was a reflection of the light but Jesus was shining because he was that light that Moses saw Oh, y'all help me up in here so so we have these three at the mountain and they're discussing his departure And these sleeping disciples wake up. Verse 5. Peter answered and said, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Because he didn't know what to say because he was afraid. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, when you don't know what to say, Keep your mouth shut. When you don't know what to say, just keep. Peter always opening his mouth. He is he is he is that dude that always opens his mouth, and he just opened his mouth from sleep. He didn't have a clue of what took place, but he's afraid of what he's looking at. That's why you can't allow people to talk about you. They can talk about you, but it shouldn't affect you. Because they have no clue what took place. Where were you in my transformation? So what gives you a right to say anything about my transformation? Or give suggestions about what we should do from here, from this point on. And, And now, here comes the issue. Here's the issue. Anybody catch the issue of what he said? Peter was the first one trying to introduce denomination. He wanted to build a tabernacle for Moses. He wanted the the church of the Moses (laughs) on the hill. The church of the Elijah prophet. And then Jesus' church. Denomination. Separation. And he was tying his theology to a tabernacle. Here's why he was afraid to die. Because he's still thinking about what Jesus said at the bottom of the mountain. We have to suffer, be rejected, and take up our cross. Look, Jesus, you're shining bright. Here's Moses. Here's Elijah. 
let's just build the church up here and we don't have to go through any of that cross down there. So here goes Satan again, opening his mouth, trying to stop a move of God. Whoo. That's what that's what denomination and tradition will do for you. Now we're gonna go over here. We're gonna go over here. And we, so you would have had a whole bunch of Mosesites. You would have still had people, watch this, who worship the law, and then you're gonna still have a church. That's dealing with prophets. Oh, is this good? People who still, well, that, you know the church of the, you know the Mosesites. The ones where you can't chew gum in church. The ones where you best not wear no cheese behind the pulpit. I'm talking about the Mosesites. You don't know me, you ain't got to say nothing. See, that's why some of you can't preach, because you'll be afraid to say what I got to say. The church of the Mosesites. Where everything is law. Okay, maybe that's not your church. Maybe you don't like them. They do have some good food, I will say. But if you go over to the church of the prophets. That's where we could tell you everything. That's where you go because you want to hear something. God, what's, what you got to say to me? Lay your hands on me. I'll, I don't want prophet Hosea to touch me. I need Jeremiah to lay his hands on me. Or we could get the minor profit line. Oh, I'm messing with you now. That's the five dollar line. You get a one sentence prophecy, five dollars. But we got the five hundred dollar prophecy line. That's where Isaiah and Jeremiah. You you got to pay your dues to get past there. Am I saying anything wrong? The truth will set you free. And that's what Peter wanted to do. Let's have separation. And there was a cloud. There was a cloud that overshadowed them. Which brings me to scene two of this movie. We just talked about the transition of power. They didn't want, the, they didn't want a smooth transition of power. They wanted everybody to stay in power. They wanted the law and they wanted the prophets. And so we moved to scene two of this wonderful, powerful message. I entitled this Cloudy with a Chance of Praise. Cloudy with a Chance of Praise. And there was a cloud. This cloud, we've seen this cloud before. It's the cloud that hovered over the deep in Genesis. We've seen this cloud before. It was the cloud that led by day and the fire by night. We've we seen this cloud before. It was the same cloud that overshadowed Mount Sinai. It's the same cloud. It's that cloud. It's that glory cloud. It's that Shekinah glory cloud. It is the cloud that God travels in. 
It is out of this cloud that the dove came down and spoke and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The cloud overshadowed them. The cloud only shows up at transition. Y'all better help me up in here. See, I'm very lyric. See, because I I read my Bible and I try to study it the best I can. But I'm I'm very leery of those that, you know, you you cannot invoke a Shekinah glory cloud. You can't shout down Shekinah glory. You can't even call it down. When God fills a space, it's by his design. He is about to shift something. There's about to be a transition. There's about to be an earthquake. There's something that is going to happen that is going to change the whole trajectory of how this now moves. Shekinah glory. The cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud and said, this is my son. Hear him. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble, Andrew. I'm going to get in trouble. He said, hear him. The first time he said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. He said, oh, y'all want to do three things, huh? Uh Uh-uh, hear him. He didn't say follow him. He didn't say, (laughs) he, he said, hear him. In other words, he said, I want you to hear him and don't listen to either one or the other two. I could prove it to you. Next verse. And suddenly when they looked around, they saw nobody except Jesus. The law was gone. Prophets gone. Jesus said, I come to fulfill the law. And every prophecy prophesied about him. He said, I fulfilled the law and I am the prophecy. Hear him. Hear faith. Hear his righteousness. What did what did Mary what did Mary say when when she said, Jesus, you know what? We ran out of Cavassier. I'm sorry, we ran out of whatever they was drinking at that time. Said we ran out. You know what? Party's still going, music's still going, DJ Peter is tearing it up on the ones and twos. We need some more wine. Woman, it is not my time. And Mary got a glimpse of Shekinah and said, hear him. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Your miracle is in your listening. Your breakthrough is in what you hear. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hear him. That's why we we don't get to where we need to be because we can't hear. Now watch this. Uh, the clouds represent, whenever we see clouds, we see storm. When is it most hard to hear God? 
when you're in a storm. The disciples were in a storm and Jesus came walking on the storm and he spoke to the sea. They were afraid because of the storm. I'm trying to help you, church. Stop trying to pray the clouds away. When it's in the clouds that God speaks. It's when everything's not bright when you hear God. Woo! Well, when, when do you pray the most? When it's cloudy. I don't know what you're going through right now, but God said, listen man. Don't listen to the circumstances and the situations that you're in or what the enemy is throwing at you. Listen to him. That's why when the enemy is on every side, you got to block out everything that's not God. Get in your word and hear him. Somebody say, hear him. That's your kind of glory. And he came out and he spoke. And, and when they came down, here go Jesus again, telling them not to say nothing. How do I hide this? Well, we know that eventually they were able to say something because we get the story. Somebody say, thank God he told them. But they kept questioning. They kept saying, okay, I still don't get it. He said, they still don't get it. They, they come down from this mountain. They don't see the transfiguration. They see God shining in all his glory. They see that he is now God because the light that they see is just, they understand it to be God. Because whenever God shows up, he shows up as light. Oh my, I'm going to leave that alone. So now they're coming down and he's telling them, don't tell nobody what just happened up on this mountain. And now they're coming down. Somebody say you can't stay on the mountaintop too long. See, you got to know how to operate in the valley after you come from down. I'm going to stay right there for a minute. You could have a mountaintop experience with God and still got to learn how to come down and keep your mouth shut about what just happened and while you was up in the third heaven. See, every time God gives you access to the third heaven, it is not for you to come down and tell everybody about where you've been. Because it will be evident on your face where you've been. Oh, so, so he said, "Don't, don't tell, don't tell nobody." And they're like, "Oh no, here we go again." Now, if you was gonna tell somebody not to tell nobody, why bring Peter? We know Peter gonna open his mouth. So I, I, I could I could tell who started this conversation. It had to be Peter. So it says they kept saying within themselves, questioning with one another, what does the rising of the dead mean? This is this is how I believe it went down. Did y'all see what I just saw? Yeah, I saw it. I, I seen what happened. You seen Moses? I, I seen Moses. I don't know how they recognized Moses, but I'm pretty sure somebody of their family had a portrait of Moses on some. But they knew what Moses looked like. So yeah, 
That was Moses and that was Elijah. Y'all saw that, right? I saw it. Okay, just making sure we all saw this. Don't tell nobody. Jesus just told us don't tell nobody. Do y'all still, do y'all get what the rising of the dead means? Because he's talking about the rising of the dead. Now, I know Moses was dead. And Elijah, we heard the story about the chariot coming to get Elijah. But Jesus said he got to go to the cross. Now, we just seen Jesus raise people from the dead. We, they've seen this. They've witnessed Jesus raise people from the dead. But none of men, you ain't never raised nobody from the dead. So my question is, if he died, who getting him up? So Jesus, um, can I ask you a question? Why do the scribes say Elijah must come first? He said, well, Elijah is coming first. He restores all things. He's written the Son of Man. He must suffer things and be set or not. And let me just tell you this, since y'all asking this question. Elijah already came. What? Elijah already came. If you turn with me over to Malachi, that's the book in the Bible that y'all scared of because it's talking about tithes. Look for the tithe, tithe book. Malachi. I promise you I'm not bringing you to 310. But go to 3. Stay away from 10. Just go to 3. So if you look at Malachi, and that's the last Old Testament prophecy, and you look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. I just want to teach you this morning. He says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, says the Lord of hosts. You see that? Now go over one more chapter to chapter 4 and look at verse 5. He said, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Okay, I need you to go to one more book. I need you to go to Matthew. And I need you to look at verse chapter 17 of Matthew. Two scriptures in Matthew, and then I'm going to close this wonderful message. Matthew 17, verse 13 says this. We're in the New Testament now, right? Let's, let's start at verse 12 in Matthew 17. But I say unto you that Elijah is come already, and they knew him not, but have done Unto him, whatever they listed. Likewise, shall the Son of Man suffer of them. 
Then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist. Ooh. So, Elijah is John the Baptist. Or is John the Baptist Elijah? Let's go over to Matthew chapter 11. Last chapter. Last verse. Last verse I'm going to give you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 14. Actually, it'd be really good if I started 13. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will not receive it, and if ye will receive it, this is Elijah, which was to come. Elijah was the Old Testament messenger. John the Baptist was the New Testament messenger. Elijah was to prepare the way and get them ready for the law and, and bring the judgment and talk about the judgment of God where John the Baptist was the one to prepare the way for the Lord. So the spirit of Elijah was inside John the Baptist. Y'all better catch it. God is not concerned about people or personalities. He's concerned about his spirit. If there's something you won't do, he'll find somebody else to do it. But his purpose will be fulfilled. Y'all better catch that. The reason why they had to be all three on the mountain is, remember, when he asked the question, who do men say that I am? Some say you're Moses. Some say you're one of the prophets. Some say you're this. So, so Moses and Elijah showed up so there'd be no doubt that that was not who Jesus was. Woo! Oh, my God. Y'all better help me up in here. So, see, you, you got to understand that when, when, when the Shekinah comes out and speaks, we have to listen to what God says. So we can't, the, the reason why we have all these problems is because we keep trying to mix church up with all three of these things. We keep to, we want the church that's a little bit of Moses and a little bit of Elijah and a little bit of Jesus, but you can't have all three. You can't have all three because either you're going to have the law or you are you going to have faith, but you can't have the law and faith. Either you're going to have the prophets or you're going to have, y'all better help me, look at me like I'm crazy if you want. But the Bible says it is only by faith that we enter into. It is only by, some have not entered into the promise because they're trying to get in some other way. They want law and they want prophecy. But God said all you need is, y'all better start hearing faith. So at this Mount of Transfiguration, it was a changing, a transfer of power. Moses, the law, could not save Moses. Moses was dead. And what's really scary about that 
is Moses was dead and in the grave. It didn't say he went to hell. But he sure wasn't in heaven. He was asleep. And the Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first. And those who will be caught up in the air Y'all better thank God for Jesus, I'm trying to tell you. Because there's nobody but Jesus who can get you up out of the grave. Some of y'all sleeping in there. In a grave. And need Jesus to raise you up from out of that dead place. And you know, you could be in the third heaven on one moment and be right asleep on the next moment. You, uh, how many can I get a witness that you ain't going to always be up on the mountaintop? Life will hit you. And I'll tell you, when life hit me, I can't go to the prophets. When life hit me, I can't go to the law. The Ten Commandments don't help me. Oh, my God. Because I can find a couple I kept. And I can find a couple I can't keep. And the Bible says if you broke one, you broke them all. I dare you to tap your name and say, don't be looking like you keep all them laws. You know you it's your messy self. The devil is a lie. If it had not been but for Jesus. Oh my God. That we stand in his righteousness. That he fulfilled the law so that I could stand and say, y'all better, better come on. That the prophecy is fulfilled. That every word that God spoke over your life will come to pass because he spoke it. Woo! I don't need, oh my God, I'm about to help. I don't need no prophet to tell me what God said I'm going to do. Because whatever God said I'm going to do is going to come to pass. The Bible says where when law has ceased, where prophecy ceased, where all these things cease, the only thing that's not gonna cease is the kingdom of God. The only thing that's not gonna stop, all these things are gonna come to an end. God said, Hear him. I don't know about you, but I'm listening to God. I don't care who you is. You come with me talking about, well, you know, Pastor, you know, the law in the Bible says, get out of my face. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus told me who to listen to. The Old Testament is what we are supposed to read so that we can learn from the mistakes of those in the past.